Okay. Now you're in? Oh, yeah. Cool. Hey everyone, it's Pat and Jamie. We're here again with another Devo for you. Patrick, how you doing today? Doing great. <laughs> Everything's good? No problems in your house? No, there's a, 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 the people that live above us are obviously having some, some plumbing problems because Uh-oh. I can hear the, the little snake going on and down the pipe and it's chonking away at, at whatever's clogging their toilet or their bathtub or something. All right. Well, if it, if it comes jumping out through the wall, let us know. Yeah, if my feet get wet, I'll let you know. That's might, a great one, too. Yeah. I just have to put on my rain boots to finish this Devo off. There you go. Get an umbrella. We'll, we'll keep this thing going. If I have to get an umbrella, that's a pretty big, that's a bigger problem. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, where are we at in scripture today? Uh, we are at Mark chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 4 through 11. Now, if you are ever wondering why we pick such strange passages on Sundays, it's because we follow pretty closely the lectionary, which we've talked about before. And so we don't make up these passages, the references. We don't decide where to begin and end. This is part of a, a bigger thought process and theory that people have come together and said, hey, these are the best passages to read this day. And basically, they took the whole Bible and made a three-year reading plan out of it, right? Yeah, and the the lectionary that we follow is called the Revised Common Lectionary, and it's kind of the Protestant uh, reading plan. Um, which a lot there's a lot of people out there that follow it, a lot of churches that follow it in their teaching plans, uh, and it's a helpful thing. You know, there's something cool about knowing that you're reading a Bible passage one day, and there's thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are also reading that same passage on the same day. So yeah. um, if you ever want to, you know, read the lectionary on your own, you can just search revised common lectionary RCL. And uh, there's some websites that give you the reading plan and you can read the verses for the day. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Super cool. I really like it because it's just neat to reflect on a scripture passage, knowing that, like you said, there's probably millions of other people that read that same passage. I mean, e- even in their own language, not even in English in whatever language yeah. they speak. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool. So, um, just a neat, uh, need to be a part of something bigger and feel, you know, you all we're part of a church, but then like the greater church, the church worldwide, it's cool to be a part of that as well. So we're in Mark chapter one and Jamie, since I read on Wednesday, you, you can read today. Cool. Uh, we're going to knock out verses nine, excuse me, not nine verses four through 11, four through 11. Here we go. This is Mark one, four through 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan river. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. What a good little passage. It's a great passage. And when I read this passage, it makes me think of all the like spiritual people out there who are like gurus. Like I, there, there isn't where we live in our town. We have, we have uh, the self-realization fellowship, which is, you know, swamis, the word swami kind of ties in with that. Well, it directly ties in with that. But um, you know, the guy who, who started that or who had that going was kind of this guru and like people would flock to him, come from all over just to be with him. And, you know, they would live a little bit differently. So maybe you've seen this in like, in fiction, or maybe you've heard about people who are always saying like, Hey, here's the best way to live. And they give you advice. John the Baptist to me seems like a guru. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He's living out in the desert by the Jordan river. He doesn't eat the food that everyone else eats. You know, everyone else is like, Hey, I'm doing the keto diet. John's like, nah, I'm doing the grasshopper honey diet. (laughs) Um, which, (laughs) you know, There's probably, I'm telling you, there's probably some soccer mom out there somewhere who does the John the Baptist diet and swears by it and says it's the best thing ever, but I'll let them eat the bugs. Uh, Honey sounds good. Bugs I'll pass on. Yeah. And he doesn't wear typical clothes. He's wearing like weird fashion, which is camel's hair. It just sounds so itchy to me right now. (laughs) Yeah. You, you say this and you, you said that you thought about gurus and John being a guru I read the first line and when, whenever I'm reading the Bible and I see like someone just appeared. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. I think of like a, a tractor beam. Oh yeah. Like he's like, he just appeared and you're like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's what I think about, but then, well, <laughs> you know, that's neither know. Here nor I, there. I'm just thinking about this character of John. Like, yeah, maybe he appeared out of nowhere. No, John the Baptist, like just the history of the guy, right? He's a relative of Jesus. When his mom, he's the same age as Jesus, basically six months older. When his mom was pregnant with him, his mom was really old. So it was like a miracle that he would even be born. Um, And she came in contact with Jesus' mother, Mary. And it says that the baby leapt in her womb, like was jumping around in there. Uh, and so that's like our first introduction of John the Baptist is is when he's a baby inside his mom still. And now we come back. He's the same, a little bit older than Jesus. And he's doing this stuff out in the out in the, the country. And here's what's weird is people are coming to him. Like they're excited to go to him. Right. Yeah. So, and it, out in the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> I, if someone said like, hey, you want to go out? Yeah. If someone said, hey, Pat, let's go out to the wilderness. There's this guy that eats bugs out there. And if you're lucky, he'll dump you, dunk you in the river. Like, I would, I would not be into that. That would not be my thing. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of strange. Now, if, they, if you said, hey, Patrick, let's go on a crazy off-roading trip out to the <laughs> wilderness because there's sure. this guy out there that, will, yeah. that eats bugs and that will, like, dunk you in some water, I'd say... <laughs> Well, off-roading, I guess, sounds like kind of fun, I guess. <laughs> well, and the other thing too, right? So he appeared. I love the fact that you you picked up on the word appeared. That's great. Um, so he's out in the wilderness. He's he's His message though, and this is, this is kind of an interesting thing about this passage. I think sometimes we forget. The message that John the Baptist is preaching is baptism 
of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This is the same message that Jesus is going to preach. Right. Yeah. Um, and that message is, is uh, it's an action. It's this baptism thing in our, in our faith journey and our faith um, tradition, along with reformed churches, we see this as a sacrament. It's something that's special, that's sacred uh, It's being baptized. And so John the Baptist is performing this ritual uh, of baptism, which is like dying to your sins and being alive again with new life and being cleansed from them. I mean, there's, there's, it's like a really significant thing. Um, and he's, he's doing that. And the word that's there is repentance, which repent is to turn. It's to turn away from your sinful ways and to turn towards the right ways. And so he's, this is his message preaching that. And the result of that is you will be forgiven from your sins. So the people in my guess, my estimation, who are going out to see John the Baptist are people who have sin that they want to be forgiven from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just like real quick, just in your own minds, think about who are the people that are kind of the notorious sinners uh, in your, maybe, you know, your in your neighborhood, people that you live with, maybe people in your own house, maybe your friends at school, uh, maybe people that you know who are friends of friends who kind of have this um, notoriety or they're famous for having sin. And if you go to them and say, hey, there's this guy, you just he'll just drop you in the river and all of the guilt of that sin will be forgiven, you know, who would go out there to do it? Um, and it seems like a lot of people really wanted to do that. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I kind of, that's like a good perspective. I read this in a different way. However, mm-hmm. I read this as these people have know that they're sinners, but have no way of confessing. They have had no way of confessing their sins and being forgiven of them up until this point. And mm-hmm. I believe that there was a, a bunch of people in uh, Jerusalem and the Judean countryside that were very wise and knew, you know, we are, we are sinners. Uh, but you know, God hasn't come yet. Jesus hasn't come yet to, to baptize us. We have no way of forgiving our sins. I th- I kind of read this and see every single person. No one thought that they were good enough and weren't sinners. Everyone was going. Yep. Uh, and it kind of, maybe turned into a, a like a revival kind of thing. Yeah. I think of yeah. like my favorite song, the, the Mississippi squirrel revival. <laughs> <laughs> you can look that one up on YouTube on your own. Uh, and everyone was going out because everyone was able to say like, I'm not better than, than my neighbor. I'm not better than the next. I've done something that was a sin that has, I've sinned before and I, you know, that probably people that you wouldn't identify as sinners were still going down there anyway, just to maybe see what was going on and then have a realization within themselves. Like, yeah, I am actually a sinner. And, and what's crazy about it is, you know, I think people do, there's something about us knowing that we have sin that we need to confess and give to the Lord because Bible even tells us pretty clearly in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that, that no one's immune from sin. Right. Yeah. Um, We all have it. Right. Uh, And what's crazy in this passage is, well, the way that the Jewish people in this time were supposed to deal with their, their sin is first of all, you weren't supposed to sin. You don't do that. That's bad. And they had all these rules and the teachers of the law, they knew the law. 
law because the idea is that and it's written in the law, then you're good if you don't, if you follow it. And so people would follow all these rules to try to avoid sin. But let's say you made a, a mistake or, or you um, sinned and you didn't realize it. It was unintentional. There was the sacrificial system that you had where you could, you know, buy a couple of doves or um, a lamb or whatever, whatever it would be. And you could sacrifice an animal or even, you know, you could turn your money into, uh, into an animal to be sacrificed. And all of this would happen um, so that people would have this, this understanding that the guilt of their sin was now removed, that it was gone. Yeah. But John was offering this out in the desert and you didn't have to pay any money. Right. Right. You just had to walk out there. Yeah. You didn't have to pay any money. What you did have to do is you had to confess. Yeah. And man, I got to tell you, confession is not easy. Confession is not easy. And there's an extra weight of this too. Like I can go to you and confess. I, you know, the other day I did whatever, but confessing to John the Baptist and ultimately the Holy spirit, uh, you, the way of, you can't like make it up. You can't half confess. It's like, you know, it's like if I went and robbed the bank and I robbed a million dollars and I came to you and I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling super generous. You know, here's, here's a thousand dollars or something. And then I go and confess. It's like, well, I, I stole just a little bit less than a million dollars. Cause I'm missing that thousand I gave you. That's not true. Right. <laughs> right That's like right. such a bad example, but like the extra way of you have to confess and you have to like yeah. really confess. Cause the Holy spirit's going to know. God's going to know. So, but, but there's something like really scary about that, but also something really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and the beautiful part is that these people are coming down there and they're just laying it out, you know, and I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if like they went up to John and said like, Hey, here's my laundry list of sin that I want to confess. Or if he had them say it out loud, like, I don't know. I don't know what that looked like. Um, But I can imagine if, you know, God was in this, uh, it's a pretty powerful thing for, um, people to confess their sins and to know that they've been forgiven. And this is what John was offering, but he wasn't offering it of himself. Right. Cause that's what gets us down to the next part of this. Yeah. His, his message is after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Right. Um, sandals back then and feet and still even in middle Eastern culture, uh, it's like, you don't want to touch someone's feet especially the bottom of someone's shoe, um, like a big insult that someone would do in some Middle Eastern countries and cultures is to show someone the bottom of your shoe or to take your sandal off and actually like show someone the bottom of your sandal is super insulting. I've never um, heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can probably look, I'm trying to think about what giant world conflict that became known. Um, in some of the invasions of Iraq and the Iraqi war, there were some, uh, there were some things that it was hard to translate, but there were some people who take their sandals off and there'd be pictures of the rulers who were, who were ousted and they would take their sandals and, and hit the picture with the bottom of their sandals. And it was, it was a way of, of kind of shaming, uh, publicly shaming someone mm-hmm. was to show them the bottom. So sandals were not something that you would want to, touch or be associated with if you were someone with high power 
And John saying, I'm not even worthy to be the servant or the slave to, to untie this person's sandals. I'm not even that great. And then he yeah. says, I baptize you with water. He, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then like, cause like what, <laughs> what was right. I, every time I think of Holy Spirit, I think of hovering. Yeah. The Holy floating. Spirit is hovering. Yeah, floating yeah. yeah uh so i mean we're being baptized right now in a sense you know constantly um, but then uh a little bit later it says in verse nine at that time jesus came from nazareth in galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan that's pretty cool too yeah and this is this is kind of a weird deal you know like we're like wait a minute why does jesus <laughs> have to be baptized Right. Yeah, right. Isn't he the one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit? Like, what? Why does he need to be baptized? Um, and, and you'll notice a couple of things that don't happen here. One is Jesus doesn't confess his sin. Oh, yeah. Right? He doesn't, it doesn't say then Jesus also confessed his sin like everyone else who did uh, and was baptized. He was just baptized. And... Um, you know, I think kind of the thing we can draw out of that is Jesus didn't have sin. He right. lived a life that was sinless. That's right. Um, yeah. And in other versions of this story, like in Matthew and Luke, uh, I think Jesus even, there's a little conversation between Jesus and John the Baptist. And John was like, you have to baptize me. I can't baptize you. Um, yeah. And Jesus tells him, I'm actually looking up right now. Jesus replied, he said, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So John was like, well, you're the boss. I'll do this, um, which is kind of a crazy thing. So Jesus did not confess sin because he didn't have sin. He lived a life that was sinless, but he still had to be baptized. Now, some people might say, well, he had to be baptized because he was fully God, but he was also fully man. Um, some people would say he was baptized because uh, he... Um, was doing it as an example for all of us yeah, to show that we too should be baptized. Uh, or he was showing us that he is one of us because he is a human uh, person. Um, I think there's still some mystery in it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's okay to let it be a little bit mysterious um, of what's happening here. Exactly. But what we do see, and this is kind of the next part of it, right? Verse 10, yeah. um, Jesus was coming out of the water. He's been baptized. He saw heaven being open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, so Jesus uh, saw that. I'm getting a little confused on the, the language here. Did John see uh, heaven being torn open or did Jesus see heaven or both? I guess both. But Yeah, I think the idea is that Jesus saw it. Um, in oh, yeah. some of the other accounts, it just says that it happened. It doesn't say who saw it and who didn't see it. Yeah. But back to your point, I think you you said there's still a little bit of mystery as to why Jesus was baptized. The why is fine, but what we do know is that uh, the the voice from heaven, which we can maybe assume is the Holy Spirit, 
was yeah. pleased with that action. So yes. regardless of the meaning, it was still good. Yes. And it was interesting, you know, the voice comes from heaven. Maybe the people didn't see heaven being torn open, but um, they heard what's happening. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. this voice that comes out. You're my son, my love with you. I'm well pleased. And that's such a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. So regardless of the why it was good. Yeah. And that's all that really matters. Sometimes yeah. we won't know why God does something and that's okay. Yeah. And this kind of marked the beginning of Jesus ministry. Um, you know, after this, he would go out to be tested and to, to go through these trials or this testing in the desert. Um, but his ministry really begins here when mm. it kind of is the inauguration for the ministry. Yeah. Uh, and God is kind of like, you know, this, this voice from heaven in a lot of ways is sort of like a stamp of approval saying, this is it. Like it's go time. Right. Yeah. So there we go. That's our thoughts on Mark chapter one, verses four through 11. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed. And, uh, and I think a message for us here is, is repent. You know, you can always turn to God. We don't have to wait for John the Baptist to do his uh, farewell tour uh, once again. Um, we don't have to wait <laughs> for the exact perfect moment. Uh, if you want to talk to God right now and say, hey, I've got some sin that is sitting on my heart. I got I to gotta hand over to you, Lord. God will hear you in that right now. You don't need a priest or a pastor. Uh, you just need to pray to God and ask for forgiveness. And God will give it to you. And and what I think is so beautiful about it is God can give you that forgiveness and then even say, hey, you're my son. I love you and I'm well pleased. So I hope you know that God does love you and he's pleased with you, uh, especially when you are humble and humble at heart and come before God with humility. So let's approach God with humility today. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening.